0: Good morning, church. My name is Daniel. I'm the pastor here at Plaza. I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us here on uh, this worship service this Sunday. I hope you have a Bible handy and are ready to study God's Word as we jump into the series we're calling Abide. This is the way. We're going to be, as the scripture was just read, in the Gospel of Matthew. And so if you didn't have it uh, earlier, please uh, feel free to get it. If you're using the Bible app, just Swipe over, watching this on our website. Matthew 6, that's the first book of the New Testament, uh, the Gospel of Matthew. It's a biography of Jesus, Matthew 6 and Matthew 9. And uh, we're going to be talking about fasting. Fasting, this is the way. today and so um, if this is your first time let me just say welcome thank you for taking the time to stop by and, and check out our online community here love for you to reach out to us we have a text number you could text and again if it is your very first time just text the word connect connect to 757-239-3993 we'd love to hear if you're not going to spam you just gives you a direct text line to our office allows us to get to know you ask questions ask questions about the service Uh, ask questions about our mission. We'd love to uh, connect with you that way. Also, everybody, if you have a prayer request, love to pray for you, you can type the word uh, or text the word pray to that same number, 757-239-3993, and love to connect with you in those ways. And so as we said, we're in this series calling Abide, This is the Way. It's taken from this phrase from a show called The Mandalorian where they say this is the way. It's sort of part of their code of ethics, how these Mandalorian, um, uh, really a race of people, but soldiers and how they live and the different rules they have for living. And how do we tie that into the Bible? Well, um, it's very simple. And we've said this week after week is that the followers of Jesus weren't called Christians initially. We, we call ourselves Christians, and people would call us Christians as followers of Christ, but they were called followers of the way uh, because they followed the ways of Jesus. So we are apprenticing under Jesus. We are learning from him, and we want to walk like him and act like him and be his representatives, his hands and feet. The Bible calls us ambassadors, and so we are to be followers of the way, the ways of Jesus as we learn from him. And abiding, what does that word mean, you ask? Abiding means to live or to hang out or to dwell or to remain. And it comes from a passage in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, Abide in me, stay connected to me. And so if we're going to be his representatives, we have to stay connected to the power source. We got to stay plugged in. Otherwise, we're not going to have the power to do what God has called us to do in the world. And so we've said these past couple of weeks we've got to abide through the Word. And we spent a few weeks discussing about how do we have time every day in God's Word, the Bible. And hopefully you've had a chance to set aside your plan, uh, whether that's a daily bread or memorizing some verses, reading the Bible, using a Bible plan, using the Bible app. There are millions of ways you could do it that are unique to you. We just want to encourage you to make sure you're getting Time in the Word, and we've been talking about abiding in prayer, making sure that we carve out this time to pray. And what does that look like? And so this week we're talking about abide through fasting. And um, and so I want to actually just give us some space right now uh, in this worship service, even while you're at home or wherever you're at watching this, just to prepare our hearts. And so um, I want us just to all kind of get quiet. If you've got kids around, just go ahead and ask them. And kids, if, if you guys will take a moment to uh, be still and be quiet. I know that's difficult for my kids and sometimes difficult for me, quite frankly. And, um, and let's just take a few moments with our eyes closed um, and ask God to speak to us and just uh, take a pause from the busyness of of life. Uh, the busyness of um, to-do lists and things that we have going on and responsibilities and just abide and sit in God's presence and welcome him wherever you're at because God is there. Um, That's the beautiful thing about God being omnipresent everywhere at once. And so let's just take a few moments of silence to sit before him, welcome him, speak to him. So go ahead, I'm going to invite you to do that. And we're going to do that right here. As you're there, still just seated quietly, maybe relaxing, focusing on your breath, breathing in. You might want to just say, Lord, I'm trying to breathe in your presence. Take a deep breath in. Everybody in your family sitting on the couch. And I just want to ask you, wherever you're at in your spiritual journey, to ask God to speak to you. Just in the quietness of your heart. You might want to say something like this. Again, wherever you're at in your spiritual journey. Say, Lord, speak to me. Lord, speak to me today. And let's say something like this, for I intend to obey. I intend to obey. Father, we welcome your presence into our homes, into our earbuds, into our kitchens. We want to abide with you all day long. And even in these moments, God, help us to abide as we worship together, even digitally. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for doing that. I hope that was beneficial for your life. Just want to encourage you to do that. It's a practice I try to do regularly, just slowing myself down and taking time to reconnect to the Father. And so we're talking about fasting uh, this week, and we're going to be looking at the text here in just a moment. But some of you, if you know me well, I feel like I'm probably the worst person to talk about fasting. Because if you know me for any length of time, you know I like to eat. And I don't just like to eat, I like to eat all the time. I like to snack throughout the day, Uh, I like to graze. Uh, when we used to have our staff meetings in person uh, here at the church with our staff here and some of our volunteers, they would know I'd always bring my lunch because we'd have it right around 12, and um, and uh, I, I would just, like, spread out my lunch to the help. Most, most of the staff would eat, like, real quick in the beginning, and I would just be saving my food. I just kind of graze throughout the day. I like to pack snacks with me and keep them with me wherever I am. I even brought some here just to kind of show you because even during the, the, the pandemic, you know, when, when we heard there's a worldwide pandemic, you know, people rushed to the grocery. Stores. And many people were buying toilet paper. And shame on you if that was you hogging all the toilet paper. But we're past that now. We're working on our forgiveness for those of you, the toilet paper hogs. But that's okay. I, on the other hand, was not hogging toilet paper. I was preparing for a pandemic to make sure I had enough snacks. And so I love to keep snacks, and I brought a few examples here, and uh, just some different things I, I like to make sure I have on hand. Uh, man, I'm a fan of the Cliff Bars. Shout out to them, and I like to buy them whenever they're on sale, and so I stock up on them. And my, my older kids eat them when they have sporting events, and so I always try to make sure. Some, my wife uh, tends to think I'm a little, uh, I have some issues there, but I just want to make sure I get them at a good price, and when they're on sale, I buy as many as I can, because I know everybody's going to eat them. And, uh, but, but I I stock up on these things. Some of our guys in our community group, they're, they're fans of E.L. Fudges and uh, love that. I, I keep another thing of Cliff Bars because sometimes I buy them individually when they go on sale. And, of course, everybody loves just some regular old Chips Ahoy and Oreos and Nutter Butters. I'm a fan of snacking. And, and fasting is not something that, as a Christian, I had practiced a whole lot. In fact, I don't think I really ever heard it preached on and, and any churches that I was ever a part of, it's not something people ever really talked about. And 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 then a few years ago, the Lord just laid upon my heart to uh, incorporate that into my spiritual disciplines, my spiritual habits, and um, and to invite the church to do that. And so for the past few years, we've been taking Februarys and we've been fasting in February. Some people, some churches and denominations like to fast during a season called Lent, uh, which is coming up a, a, a little bit. Um, but, but we just said, look, we want to take February um, and take this time. One day a week is how we like to do it here. You can do it in a variety of ways. And we're going to put a fasting guide link in the chat that we'd like to give out to people to help answer some frequently asked questions. And, uh, but we want to challenge our church to fast all throughout February. We say every Friday, in February, and it helps remember it, right? Uh, pick, pick one meal or one thing that you're going to fast from and, um, and, and then spend that time with the Lord. The goal of fasting is that I would stop doing something and start spending more time abiding. And uh, and especially in a world that was so crazy busy and so, man, just mad going on. We're here, there, sports and TV and work and all this sort of stuff. And um, and people would often say to me, especially when we would talk about abiding, Pastor, I don't have enough time to get into the Bible. I don't have enough time to pray. I don't have time to do these things. And that's always our own problem and a schedule problem and really a heart problem. Um, but the funny thing is, God gave us a worldwide pandemic and slowed the entire world down. Where sports on TV was was gone, I mean, everything uh, was slowed down to a pace. And, and I wonder how many of us, even then, were still struggling to spend time with God. And we now had hours upon hours uh, of downtime, and, uh, and God was calling us back to himself. I hope that you use that time. If you have that time now, I hope that you're using it. And either way, whether your schedule seems full or you seem like you have a full... A, a, a shorter schedule, uh, there is always time for God. And we want to make sure uh, that during this time we abide in Christ. And fasting is one way to do that. And again, you might be fasting from something other than food. That's an entire possibility. Um, but I read this Quote that I want to share with you from a theologian named J.I. Packer. J.I. Packer actually passed away in July. He was 93 years old. He was from England, just a brilliant guy. Uh, Wrote this book, wrote several books, actually. uh, One called Knowing God is probably perhaps his most famous. um, And uh, just, man, um, brilliant man. J.I. Packer uh, said this. I'll show you this quote and uh, we'll read it and put it on the screen. He says this one Christians meet. They talk to each other about their Christian work and Christian interests and their Christian acquaintances and the state of their churches and the problems of theology, but rarely do they talk about their daily experience of God. Whoo, that one's convicting. <clears throat> Modern Christian books. And magazines contain much about Christian doctrine, Christian standards, and problems of Christian conduct, techniques of Christian service, but little about the inner realities of fellowship with God. Our sermons contain much sound doctrine, but little relating to the converse or the conversation between the soul and the Savior but little relating to the converse between the soul and the Savior. We do not spend much time alone or together in dwelling on the wonder of the fact that God and sinners have communion at all. No, we just take that for granted and give our minds to other matters. Thus, we make it plain that communion with God is a small thing to us. Hey, look, if you can't say amen, you got to say ouch. And so you can just put ouch in the chat if that stepped on your toes and, uh, man, stepped on my toes. This idea that, that man, it, it proves That to us, communion with God, we make it plain that communion with God, abiding with God is a small thing because we are not talking about that. We are not discoursing about that. I just want to encourage you. Let's talk about our abiding. Let's encourage one another. Talk about it in your family. Talk about it with your community group. Talk about it with your sister, your brother, whoever, uh, because this is the, the deepest part of our relationship with God. And so as we talk about fasting, I want to give you some what fasting is and what it's not. Because fasting some somebody said it's kind of like a razor edge there. You, it's so easy to fall off on one side or the other to say, look, I'm not into any kind of fasting or I fast all the time and I'm, I'm some kind of hyper-spiritual person. And so let me give you a couple of points to write down uh, based upon this text here that we read earlier about what fasting is and fasting is not. We'll do the not first. So first, fasting is not to be done for the praise of others. Fasting is not to be done for the praise of others. Let me repeat that one more time. Fasting is not to be done for the praise of others. We all want to be noticed. It's part of the human condition. We crave. We crave people to sort of make much of us, to pat us on the back, to applaud us. But but using this as our motivation for fasting, Jesus cuts right to the heart and, and comes the step on our toes as well. Look what Jesus says in the text here that we just read, Matthew 6. And verse 16, he says this. And when you fast, notice Jesus, when you fast, not if you fast. So there's an expectation that fasting will be part of our Christian discipline. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. Don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be what? Seen by others. That's their motivation. Truly, I say to you, they have received our reward. The reward of other people patting me on the back. The reward of going around saying, hey, I fast all the time. Aren't I a spiritual giant? Aren't I better than you? How's your fasting going, Johnny boy? Right? That sort of thing. And and no, when it comes to fasting, we're not to do it for the praise of others. God uh, is the one person we're trying to get to know and uh, and get closer to us. So we're not doing it so so that we look gloomy and trying to put attention on ourselves, right? Now, some people say, well, Pastor, uh, I thought you just said, you know, we should maybe be talking about this. Can I tell people that I'm fasting? And sometimes, you know, it gets into an awkward conversation. I remember one time I was actually here at church, and um, I was participating in our February fast, and I had I, had some uh, juice that I was drinking to kind of keep myself because I'll, I'll tend to, you know, get real crazy, uh, without my normal snacking procedures. And, um, and so I, uh, they like caught me in the kitchen pouring my juice and getting some stuff There's not something I normally do. And they were like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm getting some juice. And they're like, why, are you, why are you in the kitchen getting juice? And, I I had to just explain, but it was this awkward moment. I know sometimes you go through that as well. And so it's not wrong to talk about your fasting. As long as you talk about it in a way that is honoring Christ and not trying to draw attention to yourself, uh, I think that's pretty clear there. And so we don't want to do it for the praise of others. Jesus calls out that spiritual hypocrisy saying, listen, if that's the reward you want, you want the praise of men and accolades, well, that's what you'll get, but you'll miss out on the greater thing, the greater purpose of fasting. And so don't do it, number one. To, for the praise of others. Number two, you can write this down: is don't do it. Or fasting is not to prove your own strength or willpower. <clears throat> fasting is not to prove your own strength or willpower. We're, we're, we're not to be fasting to say, "Hey, look at me! Look at my spiritual guns here, suckers! Look at this! You know, wow! I, I, I'm the best faster in all the, 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 the world." the best faster in my church, the best faster in my family, right? That's probably terrible grammar, right? But but it is not to prove our own strength or willpower. It's not even to prove it to yourself. I'm going to fast. I'm going to work up the courage to do this, and I'm going to exercise my will. No, it is about relying on Christ to sustain me, even when I feel weak, even when I feel like I need that thing that I typically Reach for. Look again back at the same verse. Verse 16 says this And when you fast, do not look gloomy, right? Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces. They're disfiguring their faces. Why are they disfiguring their faces? Because they are straining their willpower, and and they're making this phase like, this fasting is terrible. And listen, I even know, uh, you know, that it's it's kind of popular to do certain things to uh, acknowledge that you're fasting. And so we don't want to do fasting to prove our own strength or willpower. Jesus makes it plain here. Thirdly, is this: we don't want to fast, or fasting is not to earn favor with God. Fasting is not to earn favor with God. I have such good news for every one of you this morning. God already loves you as much as he will ever love you. There is nothing you could do. Listen to me now. There is nothing you could do to make God love you more. No fasting for days on end, no amount of giving or church attendance or online thing or sharing the gospel. God already loves you as much as he's ever going to love you. And the reverse of that is true as well. There's nothing you could do to make God love you less. There is nothing in your past. There is no sin in your future. There is no sin you have just committed that is going to cause God to love you less. The Bible says God's love is steadfast. In fact, that's part of the verse we're memorizing this month, Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. The faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. We have a steadfast God. His love never changes for us. Oh, my goodness. He's never going to get rid of you. He doesn't love you more if you fast. And so there's not this reward of, you know, I get a spiritual sticker. You're not earning favor with God by doing this fast. No, that's not how it works. God already loves you. His grace has already come to you. Forgiving you of all of your sins if you're a Christian, you've entered into a relationship with him. And so it doesn't take you up a higher notch in in some sort of fake, phony Christian hierarchy. Nope, that's not what fasting is all about. Again, look at the text. We'll look at verses 17 and 18. He says this. But when you fast, but when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face. In other words, don't don't make it like a big deal. Don't make a disfigured face and a gloomy face. Anoint your head. Wash your face. That your fasting may not be seen by others, but by who? Your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, somebody says, wait, 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 I I thought we're not doing it, you know, to get this reward. Yeah, see, there is a reward. You know what the reward is? The point of all fasting is this, is that we would gain more of Christ. We would lessen the things of the world and, and feast at the buffet table of God's infinite beauty, at the buffet table of God's infinite power and joy and pleasure that he gives to us the bible says at your right hand O god our pleasures forever more there is nothing more satisfying than god and so when we're fasting we're we're trying to lose our appetite on the things of this world the cheap things and we're trying to gain our appetite and feast on the meat, on the richness, on the savory of man, God and His power to bring back up my 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 little snacking thing. You know, I can I can snack all day on some some El Fudge cookies, right? And uh, and you know this as well. This will happen uh, with your kids, right? You'll you'll say to them things like, "Don't ruin your." Dinner, right? Have you ever said that? Right, because snacking on some goldfish, snacking on some cookies, and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, the parents have prepared this awesome meal. And the kids are like, I'm not hungry. Because they've been eating goldfish for four hours straight or some yellow you know, fudge cookies and they don't want to eat the nutritious stuff, the stuff you worked hard, the savory stuff that's got flavors in it, not just some bland. And I love goldfish, too. Goldfish are good. So don't send me emails about that. I hate goldfish. All right. And um, but, man, you know, this is what happens. We can we can nibble and snack on the things of the world and kind of keep ourselves and our hunger, you know, kind of away. But 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 really we're missing out on feasting. Christ. So, so again, the point of fasting is that I would stop doing something. Maybe food, maybe social media, maybe your phone, maybe the news, maybe homework and studying, and um, and I would feast upon the greater thing, time with. Christ. And so these first three things, fasting is not to be done for the praise of others. Fasting is not to prove your own strength or willpower. Fasting is not to earn favor with God. You don't earn God's favor. He's already given you his favor in Christ. That's why he went to the cross. So let's talk about what fasting is. And this is where we'll move over to chapter nine. And so if you need to flip there, you might want to do that. In my Bible it's just one page over. But fasting is, point number one, you could write this down. Fasting is to focus more intently on on God, it is to focus more intently on God. Put our focus on Him. The interesting thing about fasting, as we look in the scriptures and in the Bible, is that typically fasting was done uh, in the Old Testament for the purpose of mourning and repentance. Mourning and repentance—not mourning like a.m., but mourning like I am sad, I am brokenhearted. All the fasts in the Old Testament were for that. Purpose. In fact, it was only uh, commanded once in the scripture and, and the fasting that happened in the Old Testament happened once a year on, on what we would call the Day of Atonement. That's when the ancient Hebrew people, the Jews, would have their sins forgiven. There was this day called the Day of Atonement. Atonement, And they would come and go to the temple and make their sacrifices. And, and the animals would be slaughtered and killed for the sins they had committed. And they would take it to the priest there. And they would have to place their hands upon the animal. And their sins would be transferred to the animal. And the animal would be killed and would pay their sin debt. That's how they had to do it. Year after year, they had to go to the temple on the Day of Atonement to make that Sacrifice. And of course, there were other sacrifices that happened, and I'm um, 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 boiling down uh, the essentials here to a very complicated system, but that, that's the basics of the Old Testament system for sacrifices and atoning for their sins, and that was when the fast was, because it was a fast of repentance. Saying, God, I'm sorry for these things, and so I'm going to spend this time fasting and in prayer. Uh, we, we see some other fasting that happened in different scriptures. Daniel fasted. He said, uh, I ate no delicacies, no meat, no wine, entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for a full three weeks. And he was doing that because he was mourning over some things that were happening in the kingdom that he was in. He was an exile and kicked out of his own kingdom. Uh, the king, David, uh, fasted during a time of mourning. In Second Samuel it says this, and they moved and they wept and they fasted until evening for Saul, who was the previous king, and for Jonathan, his son, who was actually David's best friend. They were dead, and um and David was mourning, it says this, and for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. And so typically fasting is associated with mourning, with guilt and repentance. And, um, and then the Jews were attacked and exiled. They were judged by God and kicked out of uh, Israel and Jerusalem. And the temple was ransacked and destroyed and burned. And they were all spread out. Mainly they went to um, you know, Babylon and, um, and the, the Babylonian captivity. And they were gone from their homeland. And, um, and, 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 and there was fasting done then. And the fasting that they did then was to remember the destruction of the temple. And so they would fast to remember the destruction of the temple. And they would only do that uh, about twice. And, um, and, and so then there were some other fasts that happened. And then by Jesus' day, when the people had come back and they were living in Israel and there was a new temple built, uh, the, the cultural practice of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the, the, the religious Jews at that time, was actually now to fast twice a week. And that's kind of the way the Pharisees and Sadducees loved to do things. They would take something that God had given them and they would add to it and add to it and add layers and layers to it of cultural, religious habits and rituals that weren't necessarily given by God, but it's something they wanted to practice. And there could be both good and bad in that, but it just got to the point where it was um, you know, often uh, more about the ritual and less about actually connecting with God. And so in Jesus' day, they would fast twice a week And it was often for the wrong reasons, which is why Jesus would say something to them. When you fast, don't look gloomy and do all this sort of stuff. These guys are being hypocritical with all their fasting. And then just a few chapters later in Matthew 9, Jesus is, is going to be asked this question by some disciples. Let's look at the text in Matthew 9. He is asked this question. It says this, And the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast. Let's just pause here to talk about that. These are the disciples of John. And he's saying, uh, why is it that we fast, the disciples of John, this is John the Baptist, and, and he was close with Jesus, and the Pharisees, uh, they fast, but your disciples are, are not fasting. Like, we're all supposed to be fasting as uh, twice a week. This is kind of the religious you know, ritual. This is what we do here. And, um, and I believe this question is genuine from John's disciples. I believe they were good guys. There were some questions that people asked Jesus that were not genuine. They were trying to trick Jesus frequently. And, um, but I don't think this was the case. Or I believe this question was genuine. And, um, and then what is Jesus' response going to be? Look what he says. Jesus responded. And Jesus said to them, verse 15, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? Can can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? That's a strange phrase. Then he goes on to say this. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and they will, what? They will fast. What is he saying? This is kind of a strange statement. He's talking about a bridegroom, and, uh, and, and this is why my disciples aren't fasting. Remember, this is all about the question Jesus. How come you and your disciples are not fasting? What Jesus is communicating here is perhaps one of the most important truths of all the Bible. Are you listening? What Jesus is saying here is, is, is this is another affirmation that he is God. There are some people that don't believe that Jesus is God. He is equal. He's part of the Trinity. Jesus, the Son, is equal with God the Father and the Holy Spirit, something called the Trinity. I don't understand it all. It is a a marvelous mystery, but it's true nonetheless. Jesus is pointing to the fact that he is God. Why do you say that, Pastor? Well, because all throughout the Old Testament, the rest of the Bible, um, how God would relate to the people is he would be calling himself the groom, and he would call his people the bride. And he would call Israel the ancient Jews. He would say, you are my bride. And every time they would sin and go off, he would equate it to adultery. He would say this all throughout. Read the Old Testament. He would say, my people have committed adultery against me. Why would God use the word like adultery? Because he was saying, look, I want to be in a relationship with you, and you have broken that faithfulness, and you have loved other lovers. You have loved other things way more than me. You've gotten caught up in the things of this world and the sin of this world, and you have left your first love, your true love, the one who is faithful to you, and you have been unfaithful to me. Adultery. And so God, this imagery, this analogy here is that God is the groom and that we as the people, we are the, the bride. And, and so, and this imagery continues in the New Testament. Jesus continues this several times as well. And then he's stating it here. He's saying, listen, my disciples are not fasting because the groom is now in their presence. God himself has now come in their presence, so they're not going to fast, right? Because fasting is typically associated with mourning and repentance, and so he's saying, they're, they're not going to fast right now because I'm on the earth. And, uh, and just picture that, right? Picture someone at a wedding, right? Just picture a wedding, um, your wedding, uh, a family member's wedding, the last wedding you've been to, right? And somebody just sitting there, you know, in front of the buffet table, right, you know? And uh, the shrimp is being passed around, all this sort of stuff. And, and they're, they're just not partaking but They're just sitting there like, and they're fasting. He said, that doesn't make any sense, right? A picture, the groom. Or the bride, sitting there before the cake and everything else, just sitting there at the table. That, that would not make sense to be fasting at a time where they're supposed to be feasting and dancing and celebrating. And listen, in our days, we have our ideas of weddings. You know, there's a short little wedding ceremony, and then there's usually a, an hour, two hour, maybe three hour reception after the wedding and dancing and all these sorts of things that come on in the DJ and, and lots of food and hors d'oeuvres and, and cake and punch, and all kinds of stuff, right? And... Um, and, and But listen, the ancient Jews could put our celebrations, I mean, to shame. They would celebrate for days, right? Three and four day celebrations for a wedding, sometimes a whole week. And they would celebrate with dancing and feasting and saying, I mean, just break out the fun. And Jesus is saying, it would make no sense to be fasting at that time because it's not a time. It's a time of celebration. What Jesus is communicating here is, listen. I am God in the flesh and I've come here and my disciples are not going to fast right now. They will fast later. They will fast later for a different purpose. But right now, they're not going to fast. Why? Because the the groom is with them. He's there. And, And listen, in our time, the reason why we fast is this. Man, the groom is no longer here. Christ has ascended into heaven and we are here waiting for him to come back. And so we want more of God in our lives. We are longing for him to come back. We want to focus on more of God. We realize that we depend on so many earthly things, on our food and our habits and those things, and we have become uh, you know, um, addicted to stimuli and, and the things that we fill ourselves with, and we are not nearly dependent enough upon God in realizing that man doesn't live on bread alone, as the scripture says, but on the living an enduring word of God. We need more of that. And so, in other words, in this age, fasting for you and me is really this ache. It's really kind of tapping into this ache. Uh, And especially in a world like ours where we have, and listen, I'm making jokes about the lack of stuff going to the grocery stores, especially during a worldwide pandemic. But listen, we still have shelves and cabinets and pantries and book bags full of food. We know little about going hungry in our time. And something about going without helps us tap into those hunger pains that we rarely ever feel. And when we tap into those hunger pains, that ache that is there. It reminds us that, man, I'm aching to eat something right now. I'm, I'm feeling kind of weak. I'm feeling kind of famished. And it's that reminder, you know what? I should be feeling that way for Christ. And maybe I've kind of lost that sensation. I get so busy and so distracted with the world. And I don't realize I'm really weak and famished and aching. To be with Christ. I'm feeling it and I'm keeping myself distracted with all kinds of of noise. But I don't realize how, how much I really need God and to spend time with Him. So we hunger for so much more. And I don't know about you, but listen, there are times where Um, you can get engrossed in something. You can be watching something or participating in something. And some people say to me, I know my dad used to be like this. He would work all day. He would just have a thing of coffee. He would work all day and and not eat a whole lot. And that's because he was was, uh, focused on his work. I, I know some people play some video games, right? Shout out to the gamers. Some of those guys, they don't even use the bathroom for like 24 hours. They're like straight gaming, eyes are bloodshot, and they're going on these gaming binges, right? They haven't eaten or slept or gone to the bathroom. I mean, it's amazing. People can get so engrossed in something. They don't even eat. Oh, man, how there is something greater than even eating. His name is Jesus. It is Jesus Christ. And the more you get to know him, uh, and listen, some people say, Pastor, I tried reading the Bible. It's boring. I told my kids this just tonight. I said, no, you're boring. We take the infinite God of the universe, we have limited him and put him in a box, and we limit him to our own imaginations. God who created the stars and the galaxies. I mean, the, the earth is spinning around at over 1,000 miles an hour, flying through our little solar system at over 60,000 miles per hour. How does that happen? How, how is it my kids are asking me, I think I mentioned this before, my kids are asking me, how, how do people in the southern hemisphere not fall off the earth? And we're trying to explain gravity to them. Does that blow your mind? I mean, it is. And this is God. We are the ones that are limited and boring. And when we sit in the presence of God and we and we contemplate his beauty, his majesty and his power and his great love in sending Jesus for us. Man, there is something to be amazed at and enamored with and so caught up in that we could forget about eating. And I know that's not always true, right? I, I'm wrestling with that, especially as someone who loves the snack and eat. And so, but this time of fasting, the season of fasting is, again, the point is that I would focus more on God, that God would become more of my treasure and delight, and I would stop pursuing all the other things, and He would be my delight. We fast because we are hungry for God's word and God's spirit on our lives. We fast. Because we long for God's glory to be revealed in our church, in our city, in our nation. That's why we fast. We fast because we yearn for God's son to return and his kingdom to come and heal everything that is broken in our world. We fast ultimately simply because we want God more than anything else this world has to offer. That's why we fast. So there are lots of reasons to fast. I want to challenge our church and all you who are watching who are connected to our church to join us this coming Friday. February fast. Just start with one a week. That's, that's a good starting point. If you've been doing this for years, you're a pro at fasting, uh, you know, add a couple days to it. That's, that's fine. Uh, but we're fasting to focus more on Christ. That's the point of our fasting. Um, and, and so we're going to get ready to uh, look at the, the next couple verses here. Uh, notice what he says um, in the next verse in verse 16 He gives us this illustration. He says, No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment. And worse, a tear is made. Then, verse 17, he says, Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins what? They burst. They burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed but the new wine is put into fresh wine skins so that both are Preserves you might be preserved. You might be saying, Pastor, what is this sort of cryptic answer that Jesus gave here about, um, you know, um, clothes and a patch of clothing and wine and wine skins? You may have heard that that phrase before. You know, talked about at a, a job or someplace else. You know, about you, know, you can't put new wine in old wineskins or something like that. And, and never really, uh, you might have understood the the overall, but didn't understand where it came from. And what is he talking about here? I mean, he, he's reminding us again of who he is. Uh, that, that, that Jesus has come, listen, for a relationship, not for religion. Again, people are thinking I'm fasting for a religious ritual instead of a relationship. But Jesus is saying, listen, I am, I am the new covenant. This, this is not a, a thing of atonement. Yes, there needs to be repentance and you should be repenting. Um, and you should be asking for forgiveness for your sins. But, but I have come and given a new covenant. And, um, and, man, there is a relationship open with God now. And this is the point of fasting, is that I'm fasting now to grow closer to him. The second thing that I want to give you that fasting is, as we kind of wrap this up, is this, um, is to reveal the idols in my heart. Man, I don't know about you, but fasting reveals the idols in my heart. So fasting is to help reveal the idols in my heart. Man, when you fast, I don't know about you, but it shows how much you depend on the things that you're typically getting some of you need to fast from coffee right some of you start twitching even at the mention of me saying coffee your little eyes twitching I can't have my morning coffee what right when I start fasting uh, from food right I get tired I get irritable man I am tempted uh, you know to just run other people over because of the hunger pains and demand my own way and it and it just reminds me that I need to depend on God more and more and be filled with him the real you shows up the real you shows up let me tell you what and so fasting is this way to kind of reveal the things in my heart that I'm craving, things that really, listen to me, have a hold on me. And so as we prepare for this fast, what do we fast from? Again, food is a, is, is a very common one. And you may need to talk about that with your doctor, depending on your uh, health conditions, all that sort of stuff. But it doesn't have to be food. Again, it could be Netflix. It could be social media. You want to delete some apps from your phone. It could be your phone in general. Uh, for a certain time period, it could be reading the paper. It could be certainly news. Um, the point, again, is that I'd stop doing something and start spending more time with God, extra time. For some of you, it could be housework. Some of us are addicted to having a house so spick and span, so clean. And now some, some of the people are like, yay, I can get out of chores. Yeah, I can, I can leave the house a mess. Listen, you've you got to deal with that in your own family. I don't know what that looks like. But listen to me, some of us are addicted to that. And, and we're, I don't have time to spend with God and I've got to do this sort of stuff. And, um, and, and the same thing even for schoolwork and homework. There are some students who are pursuing uh, their, their homework in a way that it has become an item. And you've got time for calculus, but you don't have time for Jesus. And you're thinking, well, Pastor, what does Jesus have to Jesus can't help me with my calculus. I just want to let you know who invented calculus, okay? And, um, and so, listen, you need that time with God. Now, I know there's some other students saying, Mom, the preacher just said I don't have to do my homework, Okay? You, you know what I mean. All right, get it right. Okay, we're, we're talking about fasting when you are addicted to something, when, when you are spending way too much time on something and you need to pull back and spend more time with God. And so pick what your thing is. You might want to write it down now or have it someplace. And, um, and then, again, we're going to do one, uh, for, for those who are doing food, we're going to do one meal each Friday um, in February and, and just take that time to spend time praying Uh, spend extra time reading. If you haven't gotten a hang on your Bible reading plan or time of prayer, praying through maybe even the Our Father, the the Lord's Prayer in in Matthew 6, this would be a great time to do that and just use that time. Um, However, um, but use it for abiding And spending that time with the Lord. If you're fasting from social media or something else, um, you know, again, start with one show a week. Uh, Start with one day a week. If you want to do more, that's awesome. Love to hear how that goes for you. And so I want to encourage you to do that. If you're watching this and you don't know Christ and you're like, man, what what are you talking about? This relationship with God, ritual versus religion. Again, I want to point you back. To this verse here in Matthew nine verse sixteen, and really close with this. For those of you who don't know Christ, notice again what it says in verse sixteen. We'll put it on the screen. Verse sixteen, right, goes on to say this: No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, or a worse tear is. May what is this idea here? Jesus is saying, like, look, if imagine, like, my kids—they've got ripped jeans, right? It's amazing. We buy jeans with rips in them now. It's, it's. Anyhow, I won't get on that, okay? But, um, you know, and, and sometimes my kids, they got a little patch on their ripped jeans. And uh, what happens when you wash those jeans for a while and you don't wash the patch, right? You get a brand new patch and, uh, and then you wash that. It, the, the jeans have been washed and they're already shrunk already. But then that patch was one size and then you wash the patch and it, it shrunk and it tore the rest of the thing. And, um, and, and what is Jesus saying here? The sort of cryptic message here. Some of us, listen, some of us treat Jesus, and this is especially for some people who don't know Christ yet, we treat Jesus like a patch. Oh, I just need a little bit of Jesus in my life. Oh, I just need a little bit of Jesus because I, I have a little problem in my life, and I just get Jesus when I need him. Kind of like a, uh, a spare tire, Jesus. Uh, Jesus is not driving my life. He's just a spare tire. just call on him when I need him instead of Jesus being the driver of your life. It, do we treat Jesus like a little patch, I have a little gossip problem, and, and so I just get Jesus when I need my gossip problem solved. I have a little financial problem, and so I get the Jesus patch. Uh, I have a little health problem, so I cry out and I pray to Jesus because I got a health problem. Please help me, and Jesus just becomes this patch, this little Band-Aid. I, I have an addiction problem, and I just call on Jesus then. Jesus is saying, no, 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 don't misunderstand me here. I am God in the flesh, and, and, and listen, he deserves to be first, and you're all in all. He, and he goes on to talk about new wine put in, in wineskins. What is that all about? Well, uh, a, a wine, when they would make it and they would make a goatskin bottle, if you would, and, um, and that brand new goat skin, they would put the new wine in there and it would ferment and it would expand. And that thing would expand, and it had the elasticity to expand. But then once it had expanded once, it was kind of done. Maybe something we get a couple use in. But you wouldn't get new wine again and put it into an old wineskin because it was already expanded enough. And when that wine expands again, it's going to rip and burst. What is this sort of strange analogy here talking about Jesus? Jesus is saying, again, I am not this, this religious figure, but I am God in the flesh, and I've come to rule and reign over your life. And the question for each person is Is God first and foremost in your life? Is he ruling and reigning over your life? Not just a patch, a little Jesus fix, but is he the boss and savior of your life? If you've never made that decision, you're not sure if he is the boss, the ruler, commander of your life. Not just a spare tire, Jesus. We'd love to invite you to pray with us. This is not a magic prayer, no rote words prayer, but if you're saying in your heart, I want to follow Jesus. I want him to be first in my life. You could pray this prayer with me. You might want to say something like this. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus, I admit that I've sinned against you. I admit that I've sinned against you. And I turn from my sins. And I turn from my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose again on the third day. I believe you rose again on the third day. Jesus, I follow you now. Jesus, I follow you now. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you pray that prayer, listen, for the very first time know that there are angels in heaven celebrating that you have come back home, that you have given your life to Christ. Not a patch of Jesus, but a full life Savior who is Lord of your life. Man, know that we want to rejoice. There's a notification in the chat there. Love for you to Click that or fill out a connection card. Let us know. Raise your hand there in the chat because we want to help you grow and be able to take your next steps of faith and, uh, and learn what fasting is really about. Again, not a religious thing to earn some of God's favor, but something to draw you nearer to the Father. And for the rest of us, again, I hope you'll take up the challenge this week that fasting, this is the way that we draw closer to Christ. Have a great week, and let's continue to worship together.